Welcome back to Real Talk Christian Podcast, where we drink coffee and have real conversations on faith, culture, and society. This is Mark Hyde, and on today's podcast, we are interviewing a guest talking about how do we parent teens and kids in a digital 21st century. Whether you're a parent, whether you're a grandparent, or hey, even if you're a teen or a young adult with no kids, there is something in store for you. We're bringing in one of the experts on the subject, so I know you will not be disappointed. Let's go! Thank you for joining us at Real Talk Christian, a place where real Christians talk about real issues impacting the community and the world as it pertains to Christians. Now here are your hosts, Mark Hyde and Chris Fuller. Hey friends, welcome back to Real Talk Christian. Well, today is a bittersweet day. Sweet because it's now fall, which, you know, like many things, is, is a super cool thing. But most importantly... You know, once you get past the scarves and the flannels and the leggings and the Uggs and the boots and all that, I can wear a jacket again, which is a great thing because everyone knows I lose my keys everywhere. So jacket's probably the best thing ever. But it is no question to those listening to this podcast that I'm a bit of a coffee nut. And so now I can walk around with my hot coffee, not get judged. Nobody's worried about nothing. They're not trying to say, why you drink hot coffee when it's 90 degrees outside, Mark? I don't get that anymore. Now it's more the fact of... I don't drink pumpkin spice, pumpkin spice lattes, so I, I get judged for that. But it's also sweet because we have a guest with us on the podcast today that I know you will enjoy hearing from him. But before we even get to our guest, um, I do have to say it's also a bitter day because I'm solo today on the podcast. Uh, my co-host, Chris Fuller, just had his baby, baby number three, um, baby Shiloh. So now finally there is a Little boy run well not run around yet, but soon we'll be running around the Fuller house. Um, so I know Mama's doing great. The baby was, if I remember, it's ten pounds, five ounces, something. I, I don't know. Either way, it is a it's a Fuller baby. If you know Fuller, <laughs> it's definitely a Fuller baby. But so he's at home taking care of the wife and the kids and making sure they get all things settled. So we'll have him back on the podcast here soon. But while he's out, we wanted to take advantage of the time and interviews a, a couple of our friends that we've made over the past few months or so um, just to help give you guys some good content. Um, so today on the show, we have Justin Herman all the way from SoCal with us today. So Justin, how you doing, man? How's it going, man? Happy Dude, I am doing great. So I do have to say, I told you this before we started recording, but you're one of my heroes. <laughs> like you I, really are, man. That means a lot. I appreciate that. That's humbling you're, to hear. No, that, that's awesome, man. So, hey, before we jump into the stuff, let's let's hear from you, man. Go us and tell us who you are, what you're about, and honestly, just why on earth anyone should even be listening to us right now. Well, uh, I've been uh, doing youth ministry for a little over a decade, and uh, now I'm at a, a church called Sanctuary as the interim youth guy, which is great. Um, you get to do and learn and be with students and leaders again, so obviously I love that. And uh, I do a podcast called Controlled Chaos. It's a youth ministry podcast, specifically kind of junior high ministry podcast. Uh, and I help lead the youth ministry podcast network that's made up of about you know, five or six really good um, podcasts that are out there for uh, youth ministry. And uh, and then I help people launch podcasts as well, actually. So I work with a lot of different 
um, organizations and pastors to help them launch their podcast and and edit their podcast and just get their platform going. And uh, it's been it's been a whole lot of fun. I have two kids, my wife. You know, life is good in California. Life is good in California. So right now, just 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 so you know, it is 9 a.m. I think yeah. it's finally 60 degrees in South Bend right now. Nice. No, no, no. It is 58 degrees right now. So is it even I mean, what is it like in SoCal? Well, right now it's 6 a.m. and uh, it's it's probably 70 degrees and it is beautiful. I mean, it's summer all the time. Yesterday, actually, it rained for the first time, I think, like a year. So that was weird. <laughs> but uh, the weather in California, it's like you forget about seasons. So everything you were saying about seasons, it doesn't exist in California. It's just sunny all the time, shorts, T-shirts, flip-flops. I mean, it's like every day of my life. Now, I mean, again, you're my hero, so obviously I know a little bit more about you probably than what you realize. But you're from Buffalo, right? I am from Buffalo. I'm Buffalo so do you miss Buffalo, the snow? No, I left the <laughs> snow. I left that behind. You left it. Yeah, I don't miss any of that. The, but it also taught me a lot. You know, when you have to shovel a driveway mm -hmm. um, day after day for Preach months it. at a time, um, you learn a certain discipline um, that helps you endure a lot of crap in your life. So I'm very thankful for my upbringing in Buffalo. You just youth pastored that so hard. You just went from shoveling snow to discipline to it's just like life with following Jesus, man. <laughs> <laughs> Everything's no, a teachable no, I moment. Love Everything's it. a teachable moment. When Everything's a teachable kids. moment. So, so um, today we're going to be talking about one thing specifically, and um, I'll set the stage and then give a little um, – plug to some of my, I know some of my teenagers and college kids here in South Bend listen to us. Um, but today we're going to be talking mainly, uh, mainly to parents and trying to help parents out and understand social media from a teenager's perspective and how we can help our kids navigate this digital age and hopefully come out okay on, on the backside. Um, but before we jump into that conversation, if you are a teen or if you are a single or if you are a college student, don't turn off the podcast because there is still stuff in here for you. Because let's be honest, um, last time I checked, teens need all the help that you guys can get. So for those teens that are listening, I know Marissa, Eli, Jagger, Callie, all you guys who listen week in and week out, don't turn this off. Because, yes, even though this is for your parents, I think there's a lot of nuggets in here as well. Um, well, dude, so um, let's go ahead and jump in. We'll, we'll skip the fun questions because, I mean, obviously knows you're a youth pastor, so you'd probably drink Mountain Dew more than anything else, but drink <laughs> <laughs> coffee too. Um, but so let's go ahead and just jump into, into today's conversation. So um, today's age is a little bit different than any other age that we've ever had to experience. And you being a junior high youth pastor, guru, extraordinaire, whatever you want to tag it this is an issue that you probably have had to deal with parents probably on the daily oh yeah oh 100 percent. big conversations around social media so what are some of the bigger conversations that are happening right now in parents minds well you know one of the ones that always comes up is should my kids have social media mm -hmm. i know that um the, the, the rules around social media, even having a social media account, you have to be a certain age. And I think the age is like 13 or 14. And so when we have our social media accounts and in the youth ministry, junior high ministry, there'd, there'd be a number of parents who'd say, you know, I, I, my kid's not allowed to have it till they're 13. You know, why do you have these accounts? It's actually making my life more difficult. So navigating that was always an interesting thing. 
um, having those discussions with parents. Um, you know, my perspective um, is different than I think a lot of other people's perspectives. But having those conversations, even of should my kid have an account and why does the church have an account, um, was definitely a, a hot topic issue for me. So, so could you go ahead and answer that for us? Because that's a question I've gotten too. Because we're not on Snapchat for our student men, but you know we're on Facebook, we're on Instagram. I mean, we're we're pretty much every place you can be. So, how did you answer that question when a parent would walk up to you and say, "I don't want my kid having social. You guys have it. This is not okay." Yeah. So, the, what I would always say is, is that first, always affirm that what the parent is saying. So, oh, mom, mom, dad, I totally, I totally understand what you're saying. I totally get it. Um, and you know, here's our perspective. And, uh, and this is what I would say, that you know, we don't think companies are the best people to make decisions for your kids. We think parents are the best people to make decisions. And there are some parents who decide that their kid's ready to have it at 11 or 12. Um, and there's some parents who decide that their kid's not ready to have it till they're 14 or 15. Now, just because they turn 13 and some company says they can have an account doesn't mean that you, you're okay with that as a parent. So we want to make sure we're everywhere to connect with every kid um, because there's a lot of parents who are totally fine with it. And we also completely support the parent. So if you have a, a thing in your house where your kid can't have social media till they're 14, um, even through those junior high years, we're going to be supportive of you. We're going to support the parent. Now, a lot of this goes back to the overall philosophy of how we partner with parents and support parents. But if when you diffuse a situation by telling a parent, listen, we think parents are the best people to make decisions, not corporations. So if you decide something different for your family, great. And, and we're on every platform because we want to reach and be connected with kids. But if you decide that's not for you, we're always going to support you. You're never going to – your kid's never going to come home and say, man, the youth pastor said that, you, that you're wrong, that I should get social media. So you know what's the deal? <laughs> like we're always going to support the parent. And I think that is the biggest piece of the whole discussion because it, it transforms the discussion. It doesn't become a yes-no question. It puts it back in the hands of the parents to decide – it shows our support to them, um, but it also makes clear where we stand, where we want to reach kids wherever they are. So as a parent then, because I mean, I, I have two kids. I got one who's four, one who's, oh, she's going to be 11 months here very soon. So, I mean, this is not a conversation that happens a, in my I house a four -year -old. at all. I have a four-year-old and a three-year-old. So see, we're at the same spot, dude. So we haven't even crossed that bridge ourselves yet. Um, but, you know, one thing that, that kind of pops in my head thinking from a parent's perspective is the fact of why does my kid feel like they need to even be on social media? Like, like what is a teen's perspective towards social media and why do you think that they need to have it? Well, you know, first thing, I, I don't, I don't know if I would say that I think they need to have it. Cause I, I think uh, I didn't have it when I was a kid and, and I survived just fine, but culture's changing where we're not looking to, we're not searching out information. Information now comes to us in every way, shape and form. So they're with their friends, <clears throat> with their friends, those experiences are coming to them um, and they want to be a part of that. They want to know what's going on. They want to be a part of what's going on. They want to see memories of the things that they did. Um, and that's not entirely a bad thing. Now, the other part of it is, though, that the technology changes parts of our brain. So every time we open up our cell phone, we're not opening it up because we are bored. We're opening it up because we want to get something from it. Um, and especially when it comes to social media, we want to, we, there's an anticipation of how many people liked a photo. Did people comment? You know, what is happening? And we scroll through looking for like that fix of information that we want. 
Now, it does something to our brains because it, it, it produces much more dopamine than our brains need. Um, that's why you'll see kids who get addicted to their cell phone, addicted to technology, addicted to social media. They can't live in the moment because the moment isn't giving them any kind of high. Um, the moment is kind of boring. So then you go out to other parts of the world via technology um, to get a high, to get an, an exciting burst of of what's happening and what are they missing and the, to be part of something. Now, the interesting thing is that dopamine, um, that same kind of uh, um, extra excretion of dopamine in our brains happens um, during times of gambling. It happens during times of pornography. It happens during times of uh, excessive drinking. Um, these are all addictive related things and the dopamine's connected to that addictive quality. So I think there's a line there where technology, it doesn't have to be all bad and it also doesn't have to be all good. Um, you know, sometimes it is and sometimes it isn't, but learning the healthy practices and that's the bigger win when it comes to teaching kids good, healthy technology tools. And yeah, kids should have technology and access to technology, not just because it's useful for them as they're growing up, but because one day they're going to be out of the house and they're going to have access to everything. And if we haven't taught them healthy practices, then it's going to end up being a huge debacle, a huge problem, um, because they were never taught how to manage these tools in a wise way. You just went so philosophical, <laughs> dude, that was crazy. So, so literally the same, I mean, and, and I get that cause I'm a millennial who let's be honest. I mean, we kind of were the pioneers with being addicted to social media and technology. Yeah. Um, and so, but the same high that we get off of how many likes that I get on Insta is the exact same as if you're at the slots or at the table yeah. or at the party on the weekend. They've done some really incredible research. If you, if anyone just Googled social media, brain, dopamine, research, they've done some incredible research um, tracking people's brain waves, um, so, you know, putting, hooking up all the electrodes and get, putting them in different situations to see um, how their brain reacts. And, you know, here's the thing that, that I, I have heard a lot from parents, you know, that, you know, Justin, you're just taking, you know, you're just taking this thing too seriously. You know, social media you know, it's, it's, it's not good for kids to be on their phone, which I, you know, I agree with. And, you know, the, they're not going to die if they don't have it. And we have rules in our house and I, I hear all that. And again, I support parents. So I support all that. But once you peel back that, that first obvious layer, there's a whole lot underneath. So when you talk about the philosophical, um, you know, I, I think that we have to go to the philosophical with students constantly because they don't care what our reasoning is. Um, they're looking to do what they want to do. And our job is to help them do what they want to do in a, a non-destructive, healthy way that will teach them long-term good behaviors. So they want to be connected to their friends. And in this day and age, it's social media. When I was a kid, it was AIM Instant Messenger and the yep. landline phone. Mm -hmm. um, before that, I, you know, I don't know what they did. Messenger pigeons. I don't know what old old people did. <laughs> um, I'm not that old. They think carrier doves and ravens. You know exactly. That's exactly what it was. And um, so I don't want to keep kids from doing the obvious stuff that is meant for their generation, because uh, you know the the kid who's never been on social media, like that's now kind of the weird kid. 
And I don't know mm. people don't want to say that, but it's just true. Like the kid who is sitting with a group of friends and they're all, you know, like, hey, follow me and check this out. And oh, I posted on Instagram and they say, oh, I don't have an Instagram account. What? You don't, you don't have an Instagram account? What? What's what, what, why? What, what happened? Oh, my mom and dad want me to be 14 until I get one because social media is dangerous. And it's like, yeah, that may be factually true, but it's it's relationally and preparatorily false. And when I say that, I mean um, it may be factually true that um, they uh, that they yeah uh, it might be dangerous and and there's there's crazy stuff out there and you search the wrong thing you could see sex or porn or boobs or whatever, but it's preparatorily incorrect. Because now you're not really preparing them for healthy. Re- you can't discipline and correct behavior that isn't taking place. Mm. So if I want my kid to learn healthy social media practices, I have to give them access to social media so that they can then make mistakes. And then I can help correct and curb that behavior. Does that make sense? No, 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 no. That that does make sense. And And I'm kind of sitting, you know. Same spot that you are. I mean, the church that I'm at is is a little bit more conservative in, in, than Mariners in some regards. Um, so I have a lot more parents on the one side where, you know, I got some, for for lack of a better word, I mean, I still have kids who are 16 who don't have cell phones yet. Um, they have, I mean, thank goodness for the iPod and Wi-Fi so they can still contact home and whatnot. So they do that. Um, but you know, I got parents on the one side who are thinking in their minds, you know, I hear all these dangers of it's the same as gambling. They can find porn, they can find this and they don't want to go down that road. But then I also have the parents on the other side where it's like, my kid is so engrafted in social media, but I don't know how to have these conversations with them to help protect them. So, so I guess the one question that kind of stands out the most right now is how on earth should we as parents um, for, for both sides of the equation where kids who don't have social media or kids who do, how do we have those conversations with our teenagers? So that way, a, the teenager doesn't feel like we're trying to harp on them or make them sound like, Oh, back in my day, we didn't have that. So you're fine. But how do we have a healthy edifying conversation that, that both uplifts the teenagers, but also sets the sets correct parameters in place? Well, I think these conversations, like this type of conversation is one that should start really early. So for any parents who are listening who have like really little kids, like I have a four-year-old, you have a three-year-old, it starts um, at that age. You said you have a four-year-old, right? Yeah, yeah, I have a four-year-old. I have a four-year-old and a three-year-old. It starts at that age when um, our kid wants to do something that maybe isn't wise and you sit them down and you pull them in close and say, hey, you know, that, that that's not good for you. And, you know, this is why. And mommy and daddy love you. And we're always going to be here to protect you. And, you know, so let's talk about it. And they're little, so they don't get it. But what you're what you know as an adult is you're setting up a rhythm where they can try stuff. We don't have them locked in a padded room all day. They can try stuff. And as they um, hit up against that fence, that boundary, we're sitting them down, talking them through it, and helping them. So the same thing goes with social media. We're going to give them access, and when they make mistakes, we're going to sit them down, we're going to talk to them. And it's not going to be, well, I can't believe this, and back in my day, it's going to be, hey, you know what? This is new for both of us. You know, So let's figure this out together. And hey, these are the boundaries we're putting in place. Well, why are you putting these boundaries in place? You know what? I trust you. I just don't trust everyone else out there. And, and I want to I teach you some healthy practices, healthy things along the way so you're not taken advantage of. 
can you can you just, can you do that for me? Because I love you. Can you you help me do this so that you know, I don't want any, some adult out there taking advantage of you. You you don't want that either. Um, it, it's that kind of conversation. I'm mean, sitting at the dinner table, and you know, hey, can, you know, I'm hey, I'm trying to get my social media accounts going. Can you help me set it up? And what you're doing is now treating them like an expert. You're not treating them like a child. You're actually mm. in humility admitting, you know, there's something I don't know how to do. Um, will you help me? And we can talk about it together as we go. And oh my gosh, I didn't know, I didn't know that's how it works. Like, this, thanks for helping me out. Again, you're creating dialogue and discussion. You're not laying down edicts like you, parents. I love you. And again, I would say I say this to parents all the time. You're not Moses. You're not laying down the Ten Commandments. Your job truly is to open up lines of discussion. Um, if you lay down a rule, and there's some things that need rules. Social media doesn't need to be one of the things that needs rules. It needs conversation so mm. that we can kind of come to the same landing point. And in that, there's discipline and correction to prepare them for the rest of their life. So so beyond an initial conversation, um, do you think setting up things, though, like a Covenant Eyes or a Bark or some sort of watch software – on these kids' devices is is a helpful, useful tool to help keep that conversation going? Or do you yeah. – I mean, from so a teen's perspective, obviously you, it's invasive of space for them. But Well, let me ask you this. Based on everything I said so far, what do you think my opinion is on that? Just take a guess. My guess would be is no. Okay. That is the opposite. I am oh, okay. huge on that stuff. Huge. And this is the reason why I'm huge. Um, I, what we need to do when they're young is to set up, uh, so I believe in the fence model of leadership and, and boundaries and, um, and, and, um, and privileges. So you set up a fence and they can have freedom in that fence. So for my, for instance, my four-year-old, we have an iPad that he can use. He doesn't have access to it all the time. Um, there's a lot of things that aren't on the iPad. Um, YouTube is not on the iPad, but YouTube kids is on the iPad. So when we give him the iPad, he can, and you know, there's puzzle games and, and there's different things. Now, again, he doesn't use it all the time. He has access to it. He gets to use it sometimes when he does use it. He can use any of the apps that are on there, but we built a really strong fence around what he can do. Um, and we did that by deleting certain apps and mm. only putting certain apps on as he gets older, we'll add in more apps but I'll add in a lot of layers of protection and I'll be open with them about it. Hey, we're putting these layers of protection in, not because we don't trust you. It's because we don't trust the world that's out there. And you know, as you get older, we're going to pull back some of these limitations and give you more offensive freedom. Now we start that process at a young age. And honestly though, you can start it at any age. Um, the older they are, maybe the more difficult it is. We can start it at any age. And then as they grow up, you're peeling back some of those layers of, of control, um, of oversight with the goal. And here's the important goal. The goal is that when they leave high school, they have healthy practices, healthy boundaries, um, as they go into the quote unquote real world, which, you know, I define by the world of freedom. They're going off to college, right. they're getting an apartment with their friends and, and working, going to a trade school, um, you know, whatever that is. But that's freedom. I mean, that's real freedom. Like you, you want to have a girl over and, or a guy over and drink and have sex with her. You can do that when you're that age. Mom and dad are not, uh, you know, at, in the room, you know, ne next door. I mean, you, that's 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 freedom. You want to hop in the car and go drive drunk? You can do that. I mean, that's freedom. I mean, you have freedom, real freedom, 
when you, you want to go sign up for a credit card and, and blow it all on whatever, um, you'll deal with the consequences of that, but that's freedom. So when you have that level of freedom where a kid can grab a passport, hop on a plane and fly somewhere without mom and dad's permission, that freedom that we have to prepare them for, not just throw them into. So I love all the covenant eyes, the, the boundaries, the, the filters, the layers. I love all of that. And then peeling it back over time and they'll make mistakes. But when they make mistakes, we greet that with, uh, um, um, humility and openness and discussion so that by the time they're 18, they're ready to enter the real world, having a really healthy understanding, healthy practices of, uh, of how to use social media and how to use technology in general. So, so I'm hearing you say two different things. One is, you know, obviously it's, it's kind of like that old proverb where, you know, children are arrows in our quiver that we're going to launch out one day. And so obviously we need to prep them for that conversation um, because they're not going to be in our house every day, you know, like they are going to be living and active and breathing in today's society. Um, so therefore we need to prep them for that. But the other thing, and I think this is, this is fascinating, dude. So, um, every time you set a scenario to have a hypothetical conversation, you always use positive language mm -hmm. of, I'm trying to build you up. I am trying to make sure you know your value. You know your worth. You know who you are and what you are able to do besides just the fact of um, – I mean obviously you still use the words of like, you know, I, I, I trust you. I don't trust the people in the world. It's kind of like a – oh, goodness. I used to hear this all the time. Even my mom would say, you know, I trust your driving. I don't trust anybody else's driving. So therefore, I'm still going to wear my seatbelt. Um, and, and to protect them for that. But, but my, th my, my brain goes in a, in a bit of a different direction where, okay, so let's say we set up these parameters, you know, we have these healthy conversations. We're, we're trying to have these healthy dialogues, which let's be honest, if you're talking to a 16 year old, I mean, you might just get a couple grunts and a, okay. Um, but what happens then when let's say we've, we given our, 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 our kid permission to have, you know, whether Snap or Insta or Facebook or Twitter or whatever, we set up parameters, they cross that line. Yeah. In your mind, Absolutely. what's the best way to come alongside our, our teen when they cross that line? The same way you'd come across, now this is, <laughs> the same way you would, you would cross a dog if a dog stepped on a line. Um, I, and I, I love kids. I love students. I've dedicated my life to it. So I'm not comparing them to a dog, but I'm comparing the behavior and how we react to the behavior like a dog in this way. Um, I have a dog, um, that, uh, that it's not my dog. It's my wife's dog and it's very old and it actually lives with our in-laws now because they have a lot more space and land and, and they're, he's running around to she, she's running around. She's running around. <laughs> and we had her over to the house for a couple of days. We watch her sometimes when, when they go on vacation, they're kind of near retirement age and they go on vacation a lot more, which they should. And, um, and she pooped all over the carpet and I pulled the dog in, showed her the poop, said, you shouldn't do this. We don't poop on the carpet. We poop outside. And I cleaned it up and the dog went about her life and that was the end of it with students. We, we treat it so much more harshly and we think, well, you know, well, of course, like they really need to learn. Yeah. 
um, dogs need to learn too. And, and I, I just, I taught the dog. I showed the dog what they did was wrong. Um, I explained why it was wrong. And I told them what corrective behavior we should do moving forward. And then I let them go back to a life of freedom. I didn't lock the dog up in the bathroom the rest of the day. I didn't take away the dog's food or access to the outdoors. Um, I didn't punish the dog um, in some um, a harsh way. Uh, I showed the dog what she did was wrong. I gave corrective action of what they should do next time. And then I let them back into freedom to go uh, and try again. So that's the model we should be using with our kids. When they screw up, and they will, them screwing up shouldn't be a shock to us. It should be something we prepare for. And very few parents prepare for it. Maybe because they think their kid's an angel. Maybe because they think <laughs> their kid's, they, you know, that's, that's someone else's kid. My kid's never going to do that. But your kid's going to do that. And when it happens, I, I always find it so interesting, parents' reaction. And I've worked with parents, again, for many, many years. Their reaction of like, I just can't believe it. I just, I just found out they, they were looking at porn on their phone. And I'm like, well, how old are they? And they're like, oh, they're 13. Like, you're shocked a 13-year-old boy was looking at porn on their phone? Like, you know, are you kidding me right now? Like, what world are you living in? And like, we need to prepare parents that these things are going to happen. And when you know they're going to happen, you're able to prepare your responses for them, number one. You're able to practice and prepare your responses. But number two, you're also able to measure the discipline. If you never expected your kid to look at porn and then you found out they're looking at porn, you'd probably be really upset. Like you'd be really upset, really disappointed. If you expected, okay, there's going to come a day where my kid's looking at porn and, and I want to know about it because I want my kid to hear about healthy sex stuff from mom and dad, not from the internet. So when I find out they're looking at porn, this is how we're going to react to that. And it's, we talk about it, we discuss it, we prepare it. And so then when the day comes, it's not like, oh my gosh, what are we going to do? I just can't believe this. When the day comes, it's like, okay, we've, we've prepared for this. We're ready for this. Very few parents prepare for those kind of conversations because they don't prepare. They overreact. And because they overreact, um, it turns the kid off to future conversation because it feels like uh, if I do anything wrong, um, then I am going to pay a big price. So I just better get better at hiding the things I do. Mm. And, and so now we're back to the philosophical. If we're teaching kids that it's better to be more creative at hiding the things we do versus being honest with what we're doing, even if what we're doing is wrong. And yes, there'll be some discipline to that, but discipline's a good thing because we frame it in the right way. Um, then, then why wouldn't we do that? Like, why would we teach kids to be better liars? That's insane. And of course we wouldn't want to do that, but yet our behavior shows differently. We do it all the time. So do you think that there's ever a time where parents should take away cell phones, should make the playground fence a little smaller? Like, how do we cross yeah. that bridge? Yeah, I'm not anti-taking phones away. Um, if that is part of the if you take – it's the same thing with spanking. I spank my kids. I have no problem spanking my kids. I was spanked when I was a kid. I think spanking is a good thing when it's not done in anger. When spanking is done in anger, I think it's abusive. When spanking is done, it's, it's, it's been 10 minutes. You're able, to, you, you're able to sit down and say, son, what you did was really wrong. We don't hit our brother. Um, you, I need to give you a spanking as discipline for this. 
and I'm only going to give you one hit um, on your butt, and then, and then I'm going to give you a hug and a kiss after because I love you, um, and this is discipline. And then you know you give him, you turn around, give him a wallop, and you give him a hug and a kiss. You know, do you know why I did that? Yeah, because why did I do it? Because I hit my brother. And do we hit our brothers? No. All right, go tell them you love. Go give them a hug and a kiss, right? So I'm fine with discipline. I'm fine with, um, hey, because you did this, I, we're going to take your phone away for for the night. We're going to take because most kids have their phones in their room with them. They have it with them all the time, um, which is a whole other issue. Mm-hmm. Um, we're going to take your phone away for a night. We're going to take your phone away for for the day for the weekend. Now parents struggle with that because, and this is what makes parents weak, by the way. Um, they'll, because they don't have a plan for discipline, they'll impulsively just take the phone away. Like you're not gonna have the phone Mm. anymore. And then they realize how hard that actually makes their life because they got the kid, the phone in the first place so that if something came up, they could get a hold of their kid. Um, and so they take the phone away impulsively and then they decide, oh crap, but I actually need to know when to pick them up from soccer practice. Okay. We're going to give you back the phone, but only use it to call me. And it's like, uh, Okay. (laughs) Okay, mom and dad, that's right. not gonna happen. And <laughs> well, unless you does, get one of those, you know, toddler watches where you can call mom, call dad, and call grandma, like that's yeah, it. Yeah, exactly. But it, it it erodes because of the lack of preparation. It erodes the discipline that we're able to give as we teach kids about technology and social media. So I'm pro taking the phone away. I'm pro any level of discipline that's prepared. Honestly, if if one of the things a parent prepared was if they mess up again. We've talked about it before, and you know, can't look at porn on your phone. It's a good go-to one, okay? We find out they're looking at porn, we're going to take their phone away for a week. And we prepared this. So if we have to take their phone away, we're going to get one of those watches. And I know not everyone has money to just throw around at stuff, but we'll get one of those easy little little you know flip phones. Right, get know, a track pre- phone, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, and we'll give – because if the goal is, we, well, we got to stay in communication – we can give them a little a little cheap foot flown that we bought at the gas station that has 30 minutes on it. So if they need to call us, they can call us kind of deal. You you can easily do that. That's such a simple thing to do. But you don't – and then you take their phone away for a week and then you give it back to them after the end of the week. Now, here's the thing. You can't get that kind of outcome if you don't prepare how you want to discipline with technology because technology is so embedded into every aspect of our life. Uh, if you prepare though – how you're going to discipline, and if we take the phone away, this is how we're going to make sure they can still communicate with us because that's the reason they have it in the first place or at least the reason they talked us into buying it in the first place. Um, then, but then we'll be good. But when we don't prepare and then we just discipline and take things away and punish, we're not helping ourselves because then when we go back on that, which we inevitably will if there's no plan, um, it weakens our ability to parent and to discipline in the future. So, so the main word that I'm hearing is intentionality. Oh yeah, intentionality. Intentionality. It's everything. It's everything. And so, do you think this is more just your opinion, Simon? Because I know some parents in my uh, in our church, like they have so, like they have phone contracts with their kids, as in like you will like like you know like sign the dotted line, like I will do this, I will do this, I will do this, I will do this, just so that there is a expectation that the kid knows the parent understands everyone's on the same playing field. Do you think it's one of those things where you tell your kid up front, like, Hey, like, 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 I I guess I'm trying to ask a a twofold question of one. Do you think the phone contracts a cool idea? And also, is it one of those things where we should set expectations up where we tell our kids, Hey, if we catch you doing this, here are the, the disciplinary actions. So that way, if a kid 
chooses to cross that line, they know exactly what their consequence is, or is that something you just keep in your back pocket? No, communication is key. The, the more communication, the better, because it empowers them and empowers you. So the more you can talk about, hey, this is this is what we're going to do. This is what we're all agreeing to. And those things change over time. Uh, I actually think it's it's a conversation that you can revisit every year, not on their mm. birthday, but maybe like, you know, three months <laughs> after their birthday. Like don't make birthday time like the time to like. Oh, go, they would like, dread that conversation. Exactly. So, you know, maybe three Can't months after their birthday. Talk. Oh, I know exactly, exactly. But it, it, it can be something you revisit every year. One, because technology changes every year. So the things that you put in the contract when you started, um, either A, there's going to be changes in technology. So if you put together a contract in 2008, um, it wouldn't have included anything about Instagram or Twitter and you know Tinder and Snapchat and DMs and private messages. It, the contract wouldn't have included anything about that because those things didn't exist. They weren't invented yet. So every year technology changes and we should reevaluate what we're all agreeing to as a family um, and what we're saying yes to so that there's no confusion overall. So that's the first thing I would say. Um, the second thing I would say is that it's a really good thing to have constant communication so that they're not shocked when discipline does come that even though they may not like it, they understand it. And I think that is the biggest dichotomy mm -hmm. that it, they don't have to like the discipline. Discipline is not a, it, it's not it's supposed a good to be thing fun. for us long term. Yeah, yeah. It's not supposed to be fun. It's not a good thing for us feeling in the short term, but we know that we discipline because we're thinking about the long term. If they, as a kid may not like the discipline, but if you've communicated it clearly, they'll at least understand why it's happening. Like say, if, so, if they if someone says, hey, where's your phone? And they're like, mom and dad took it away. And they're like, well, why do they take it away? They're able to say, well, because this happened. If they're if they're honest, if they're not, they're just going to say because mom and dad suck. It's whatever. Right. But if they're honest, it'll be because, well, because I did this and I said I, we agreed that I wouldn't. And then I did. And this is my punishment. Well, OK, you may not like it, but at least you know why it happened. So that communication is vital. I wouldn't keep any secrets of discipline, of, of punishment, of consequences. I wouldn't keep any of those things a secret. It doesn't do anyone any favors. No, no, that's cool. So um, want to segue just for a minute here because we'll be landing the plane here in a little bit. So if teenagers are still listening to us by this point, I mean, that's kind of a miracle. Um, yeah, giving away all the secrets. <laughs> they're like crap mom and dad yeah so if every one of my parents all of a sudden show up with phone contracts tomorrow i apologize teens <laughs> but um if a teen is still listening out there what would you tell them uh, what is something you would want to communicate to the teens that are listening regarding their social media and phones like is there anything you want to speak into yeah that? I, I, I would say just take it easy on your parents every parent wants to be a better parent you know a lot of them are still just figuring out how um you know, this literally is something that they didn't deal with when they were kids. It didn't exist. So it means they didn't get any parenting examples from their own parent of how to deal with it. And it is also is scary. You know, we teach our kids not to talk to strangers, yet you can log on and join a terrorist cell from your cell phone. Like, we, Yeah, that's not terrifying. I mean, yeah, it's like if you're a parent, like you're be losing your mind over that. Like it is a scary thing. Especially if you, if the phone if you if your parents let their kids have their phone in their room, like usually you put your kid in the room and it's like they're safe in there. 
And now they could be in the room in the most unsafe situation possible because of who they're chatting with or talking to. So there's real concerns there that parents have. And we're all kind of trying to figure it out together through a technology that is pretty new. I mean, the iPhone was invented in 2007. So it's like, what, 13 years ago or something? Yep. I mean, it's like, you know, you know come on. You know, it just, it's so new. It's so fresh. Um, it's difficult to, you know, maneuver it. And let's all just be a little understanding with each other as we do it. No, no, I like that, man. Well, hey, as we land the plane, um, is there anything else you want to get off your chest for today's conversation? Um, probably that um, the more you, you know, kids, if you're listening, the more you educate your parents, which you may think like that isn't a good thing. It actually is. The more you show parents how to use technology, um, the more they'll understand it and the more it will demystify or it'll make it less scary for parents. Uh, I probably say parents, um, you know, humility is a really good thing. And sometimes we think we got to be the strong, know everything, you know, model in the, our kid's life. And that just isn't the fact when we're able to sit with the, our kids and say, you know what? Well, I made mistakes when I was a kid. I want to try and keep you guys from making mistakes too. What mistakes did you make mom and dad being able to say, you know what? Here's a couple of mistakes I made. And I, re I regret this looking back. I would have done it differently. Um, but I didn't know. So I'm I want to help teach you guys or, you know, Hey, I, I don't understand technology. This whole thing's new. I don't get it. I, I don't see the need for it, but I know that you guys want it. So like, let's figure this out together. Um, that kind of openness and honesty that goes a long way um, in a conversation with a kid. So I would say just lean into it. Don't shy away from it. Um, you know, your kid probably already knows that you don't know as much as you think you know <laughs> about technology. So just own that and uh, and let it be healthy conversations for the future of your family and um, and for their future, too. I mean, in a lot of ways, even through this, you're teaching them how to have conversations. So one day when they're a parent to your grandkids, they're a great parent. And when we have that idea in mind that, that a lot of this really is not just preparation from who they are now, but for who they're becoming as a parent one day, um, it helps us be a little more easy on them um, and hopefully promotes the conversation um, because we're teaching them. And the, how do you teach? You teach by doing and someone watching and doing together and then them doing and you watching. Um, I mean, that's the, you know, the model of teaching someone. So, you know, that's what I would say. So if parents want to learn more about how they can help protect their teens, do you have any resources that you point your parents to that, that they could access? You know, uh, Jonathan McKee has some really good books on technology. If you just Google Jonathan McKee technology books, he has some good stuff out there. Um, him and Doug Fields wrote a book called Smash, Smash the Phone or Smash the Phone um, with, that is all about like cell phones and technology, which is really good. But, I, I really think Jonathan McKee is probably like the go-to when it comes to books. Um, but uh, I also like the brain research stuff. You know, the research, uh, the uh, kid brain and the effect that social media and technology has on it um, is really interesting um, and helps us understand why our kid um, has their phone glued to their hand so much. You know, that it makes sense why youth pastors ask kids to leave their phones at home at camp to be able to take a break from all that. Like there's the, the reasons for it, uh, I think are scientifically based um, and it really, really interesting. So I'd say Google some of that and just read some research uh, on your own. 
That's cool. So, hey, if they want to find you on social media, online, continue the conversation with you, if they want to bypass me because you're obviously smarter than me, uh, where can they find you? They can go to heyjustinherman.com or they can go on Instagram or Twitter uh, at heyjustinherman and uh, check out the podcast, the Controlled Chaos podcast. Um, you can find it anywhere you listen to the podcasts, the junior high ministry podcast for youth workers. But um, we have a lot of really interesting people, a lot of interesting senior pastors. Um, we do Sunday episodes that just with in- people I find to be interesting. And uh, so it's definitely a lot more than just junior high. And uh, it's great. No, that's really cool. So, Justin, I just want to say thank you big time for, dude, getting on the line at 6 a.m. I mean, you I would are only do it for you. I would only do it for you. Bro, don't make me swoon over here, man. <laughs> <laughs> well, dude, Justin, thanks for joining us. For those of you guys who listened and listened all the way through again, we love you guys. We appreciate you guys. Uh, the Real Talk Christian family is growing, and we love to connect with you. So, again, find us on Instagram. Find us on Facebook. We love to connect with you there. So until next time, we'll see you guys later. Thank you for listening to Real Talk Christian. To help get our podcast into the ears of other people who need to hear these conversations, we would love for you to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or Google Podcasts. To keep the conversations going, feel free to follow us on Instagram and Facebook and share our content with others. See you next time.